pen yet, right? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, we are in a series right now, uh, and we are looking at the vision of what God is calling hope to be and do. This vision statement that we've been looking at over the last number of weeks, and we'll look at for one more week, is what we base our decisions in ministry on. We believe these are the things that God has been real clear with us, that he's calling us to live out together. And so like I've had us do the past few weeks, we'll have you read this uh, statement out loud together. Uh, So let's read it. Hope is a place where imperfect people belong. God moves, lives change, love acts. And this week we're going to be looking at lives change. It was wonderful to have our membership coincide with this as well as uh, communion. And so rather than me Uh, preaching a normal sermon, what we want to do is weave together different stories and testimonies of people that want to talk about how God has impacted and changed their life, how how there's been a metamorphosis, really, in their life as a result of deciding to follow Jesus. Um, So many times I think it, it gets a little fuzzy for us, like, what exactly are we here for? We can get confused sometimes even why we show up on a Sunday morning at church. And for me, one of the biggest things is to see people's lives change. I mean, that's why um, I continue to do ministry and to be in this for the long haul, because I love to see what happens when people experience the love of God and it changes their life, when their decision to follow Jesus makes a huge change in their life and in their story, uh, which has been the case for me as well. But we're going to start out with one of our new members, Brianna. Will you guys welcome Brianna? She's going to read to her, read to us her testimony. You want to sit or stand? I can stand. All right. And I got to give you a microphone. Where did we put that? Here we go. You could probably belt it out, though, do you think? Yeah? All right, there you go. Hi, my name is Brianna, and I'm a very grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I grew up living with my mom, dad, and older sister. Both of my parents attended Christian schools throughout their youth, but never taught us about Jesus, and I did not know God's love for me. I started using drugs when I was 14. I was drinking and smoking weed and became addicted to coke and meth. A couple of months after my 16th birthday, I overdosed on Oxycontin for the first time. I came to with a paramedic sitting over me, and apparently my heart had stopped for three minutes. I've looked it up since, and brain damage begins around four minutes. When I was 17, I overdosed on Oxycontin for the second time. I spent weeks in the hospital and was in the ICU. I started using a few days after I got home. I also started using ecstasy and shrooms in addition to everything else, and when I was 19, I found out I was pregnant. I told my boyfriend at the time, and he said, well, you're going to take care of it, right? I figured all the drugs and alcohol I had been consuming had already damaged the baby beyond repair, so at nine weeks and one day, I got an abortion. I was beyond selfish. Shortly after, I started using heroin. Heroin completely destroyed me. I began using needles and started living in my car. My addiction got so bad that I had scabs and sores all over my body and was grossly underweight. My dad and sister couldn't handle being around me anymore, so I stopped talking to them and my entire family completely. 
I was selling drugs for a friend to support my habit, and one night I got pulled over for a wide turn. The cop had a canine sniff the vehicle, and the dog alerted. The cop told me if I was just honest with him that this would be a lot easier on everyone. Something inside me prompted me to believe him, and after handing over enough drugs to get me at least six years in prison, he unhandcuffed me and let me go. There was no ticket, no court date, and no arrest record. They did not even ask me for a name or where the drugs came from. I was just free to go. I asked him why he was letting me go. I was very confused. And all he said was, my supervisor told me to. So his supervisor must be named Jesus. Um, <laughs> for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Throughout this time, I attempted treatment several times, but after three rounds of intensive outpatient programs, four times at a detox, and four times at inpatient rehab, I had given up. I knew I was going to die like this. After that, I met my current boyfriend. He did not know about my drug addiction at first, but quickly found out. He did some research and eventually suggested I tried methadone maintenance. I decided to give it a shot, and although I did not quit completely, I cut my using back. Shortly after, I became pregnant. I started having morning sickness and took three pregnancy tests, all of which came back negative, so it was very easy for me to ignore the symptoms of my pregnancy and attribute my symptoms to the methadone. I was living in denial. When I was about six months pregnant, I got into a car accident. It was not bad, but it was bad enough to freak me out. My immediate reaction was, what are you doing? You could have hurt yourself. You could have hurt this baby. And when I finally allowed myself to think those thoughts, there was no turning back. I went home and talked to my boyfriend and quit using that same day. <laughs> I went and saw an OB in Mexico because I knew if I had the baby here, they would take it away from me. I found out I was having a baby boy and was due in just a couple of months. I went to my family after years of not speaking to them and told them my news. Do you know what they said to me? That they loved me and they wanted to help. Confused, I asked why. I mean, these were people that should have hated me. My sister explained that they had started going to church when their son was born, and they were trying to live and love more Christ-like. They invited me to go. I had nothing to lose, so I said okay, and started coming to Hope Covenant Church. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> this experience opened my eyes to God. The people here were kind, loving, and accepting. My plan to go to Mexico to deliver the baby was not working out for several reasons, so I had no choice but to fully trust God. He had all of my cards in his hand. I was going to have the baby here, even though I knew that it meant I was never going to get a chance to be a mom. I gave birth to a beautiful, healthy baby boy here in the US. Um, the doctors were expecting him to get very sick from the methadone withdrawals, but they never came. God had kept him safe while I wasn't, and for that I'm so grateful. <laughs> After telling DCS about the situation, they chose to let me keep custody of him. <laughs> I was enjoying being a new mom and staying clean, but I was barely hanging on. Then one morning at an Einstein Bagels, God put a complete stranger in my path, 
and prompted her to tell me about Celebrate Recovery, which is a Christ-based 12-step recovery program. I guess I looked pretty broken. I figured if a complete stranger was inviting me to a meeting that dealt with recovery and God, then that was where I was supposed to be. I have undergone a complete physical, mental, and spiritual transformation since turning my life over to Christ. I have learned how to accept God's love for me and how to love myself. I'm honest, I smile, I'm happy, I'm able to be a good and present mom. I have amazing relationships with my family now, and I have an entire army of women as my support system, which I call my God squad. Um, I'm sponsoring two incredible women myself, and I also do volunteer work um, by knitting hats to donate to hospitals for newborn babies. I have learned to forgive myself for the past, and most importantly, I have grown close to God and learned to lean on him. I can see now that although I did not know God when I was younger, God knew me, and he was there for me when I overdosed the first time and when I overdosed the second time. He was there to forgive me and cry with me when I got the abortion, and he was there to, sorry, to save me that night I got pulled over. He was there to make sure I didn't make the same mistake of getting an abortion again and to keep my son safe while I was pregnant. He was there to make sure I got a chance at being a mom, and he was also there that day at Einstein's. It is only through daily surrendering with God and by his grace that I have been able to stay sober. There is nothing that I did to deserve such grace. In fact, it's quite the opposite. But that's the incredible thing about our God. He loves us right where we are each and every day, but he loves us enough not to leave us there. Next month, I will have two years clean. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This is something that I, by myself, could have never achieved. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Matthew 19:26. Thank you. Yeah. And if you hang around for second service, this young lady's going to get baptized, so that's going to be awesome. Our next story is coming via video of someone who I met when I came to Hope, and he has become a good friend, somebody that I really love and really, really respect. Uh, you guys ready? We'll queue up. This is a video of our friend and uh, Hope guy, Mark Sullivan, hiding back there, so hug him later. Here we go. All right, hey, man. Want to introduce yourself? Sure. Mark Sullivan. Awesome. Mark, how long have you been around Hope? I uh, started coming here in 2006. 2006. So tell me, tell us a little bit about your your early life. What was it like growing up in the house you grew up in? Uh, pretty tough. My parents were both alcoholic and uh, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of violence, um, a lot of uh, neglect, <clears throat> um, physical, emotional abuse, um, uh, just a lot of fear and uh, really survival is what my childhood was about. Wow. Older. Well, I, I left home when I was 14. Um, 
and uh, pretty much I've been taking care of myself since I was 14, 15. You know, I wanted to have a family at a young age because I wanted to do it like the right way um, with love and caring and um, the, um, so I wanted to be a father when I was like 11. I remember, um, I mean, I just, that was always a desire of mine. Uh, so I met a girl and, uh, you know, we fell in love and <clears throat> we both, you know, came from, you know, kind of broken homes. So, uh, we ended up, you know, getting married at a young age. Um, she was, she just turned 16. I had just turned 17. We got married and uh, we've been together ever since. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a challenge with uh, both of us not having any skills for how to be in a relationship or, you know, we had a child, you know, uh, 14 months after we got married. Um, so without having any learning experience as far as being a parent or being, you know, how to be a husband, you know, um, I just really got it wrong. Just really did. So you guys got married young, had a child young, and, uh, the next step in that story was drugs. Yeah. Yep. Drugs and alcohol. Okay. Uh, we, we both. Uh, you know, we're addicted to uh, drugs and, you know, for the first uh, 14 years of our marriage, um, yeah, we did drugs on a regular basis. Um, homelessness, you know, I've been, you know, we have been homeless with our children. You know, we've lived in a park. Um, we've been, we've lived in abandoned buildings, uh, built, you know, abandoned apartment complexes. Um, it's been pretty tough. It was, it was really tough. We, um, we got sober in, uh, 95, 1995 and, uh, stayed sober for a little while and, um, ended up relapsing again after about 10 years of sobriety. And, uh, I ended up, um, at that point coming to hope, which was shortly after I, I had relapsed. I, was invited here by Honor Rittenhouse and uh, actually started working with the youth pretty quickly. So started uh, just hanging out with the youth kids, the the uh, junior and senior high kids, and that really did change my life. Um, started just hanging out with Brian Pollard and you know the high school kids and um, going to camp with them and. Um, so, I ended up turning my life over to Christ up at camp. I'm wow. getting emotional. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. So, yeah, the kids taught me how to love Jesus. Wow. That's what happened. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hate getting emotional. Me going too. So, yeah, and then um, you know, I I never really worked on myself, my, my issues from my childhood. And, uh, my wife and I ended up, you know, raising three kids, uh, you know, having grandkids. And, um, you know, after our kids left home, um, you know, after 
another 10 years of sobriety. We ended up drinking again and, uh, you know, things fell apart very quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, we ended up splitting up and, uh, you know, that's when, uh, you know, she started getting some help and I started getting some help with our, with really our childhood issues that we had never addressed. And Mm -hmm. so at that point, um, you know, she, she has worked very hard and, and, you know, now, now in our relationship, you know, she has her relationship with, with Christ and I have my relationship with Christ and, you know, we're, we're intertwining him in our relationship. And, you know, for the first time in our lives, we actually are feeling some peace and real serenity from uh, healing from the past. So, so in the current season of your life and walk with God, what's kind of a big theme? If you're, is there anything you can think of that would be a, like something God's moving and changing in your life uh, at this point? Love. Yeah. Yep. Never, never, just never really felt that I was lovable and, you know, I can't speak for Tracy, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, she probably feels the same way. And, you know, we started to experience that love from Christ, which, you know, changes everything. I mean, that changes everything. So, yeah. Awesome. That's so good, bro. Mark. Mark, will you and Tracy stand up? Love you guys. That's so good, so good. The one thing I don't believe about Mark's story is he said that his wife was only a year younger than him, and you look at the two of them, and she looks like a decade younger, so maybe more than that. Anyway, I think the rest of it was real, though. Um, we're going to skip over that next story, guys, just for time's sake here. Part of what I love about, one of the many things I love about these first two stories that we've heard, it's not just like a clean, like, hey, I found Jesus and everything was better forever and ever. Mark's story of transformation and metamorphosis included some, some relapses in it. And so many times I think people, when we have this huge change in our life where we come to Jesus and then there's an area that we struggle in, we think, well, maybe that wasn't real. <laughs> That's a common lie that we believe, like, oh, it didn't work for me. Um, but to be in a community like this where when we struggle, because we all still struggle, <laughs> uh, we can find people that will embrace us as we are. We don't have to put on a mask. We don't have to pretend to be somebody that we're not. We don't have to show up here and fake it. Uh, In fact, we frown on those things here. (laughs) Um, You can be real here, and you will find love, and you will find uh, freedom, and you will find encouragement and a community of people that move you further along in your journey, in your freedom, in your wholeness. And I really love that about... uh, about Mark's story in, in particular, the transformation, the metamorphosis of what happens when a life gets changed. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. 
There's another story that we're going to um, tell here, and this one I'm really grateful for. This story of life change happened uh, a while ago, 14, 15, 16 years ago, something like that, and um, I would have never known back when this changed. I was already a pastor, uh, kind of trucking along in my life, um, and I would have never guessed that this person that started following Jesus 17 years ago would become my best friend and my wife. Amen. This is Heidi. Thank you, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Ooh, those are some good stories. I love to hear testimonies of stories just because, you know, when you get along a little farther in your journey, those are so refreshing and it reminds of us of the goodness of God and how he changes a life. Mine, too, was a life that was changed. I came to Christ at 34. Um, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Uh, my dad kind of decided we'd figure out God on our own, and so I figured out lots of stuff besides God. Um, I turned to an eating disorder, drinking, drugs in high school, and then by the time I was 18 years old, a man I knew for three months came along, swept me off my feet, and I thought, I'm wanted because I was a wreck. Um, Little did I know I would spend the next 15 years struggling through an unhealthy relationship until at the age 33, that relationship ended in divorce. But the beauty of that is that was the beginning of the new life for me. That's when God led me to Jesus. God used many people to draw me to himself. A woman I worked with would say quite often, Heidi, God loves you. Whoa, God loves me? How could he love me? I'm a mess. My kids had started going to church to get through this painful season in their life. And my daughter, I'd pick her up from discipleship group. And uh, she would tell me stories about God that she was learning. And I'm like leaning in, wondering about this God. So I started reading the Bible. A friend, friend of mine told me, don't start in Genesis. Start in the book of John. Whew, right past Leviticus. Yes. <laughs> and it's in the book of John I found my story. I found my story. And I didn't really get Jesus before then. So in John chapter 8, you'll hear the story of these Pharisees that brought a woman before Jesus. He threw, him down, threw her down at his feet and said, you know, what would you have with this woman? She's been caught in the act of adultery. We should stone her. And in that moment, Jesus bent down and wrote something in the sand with his fingers. We don't know what he was writing. I don't know. Maybe perhaps it was the sin that they had. And he stood up and he said to the crowd, let you who is without sin cast the first stone. Wow. When I read that, I'm like, who is this Jesus? He protected her. He saved her. Well, if he can do that for her, could he do that for me? So I started reading the Bible a little deeper. I pursued Jesus a little bit more, more and more. He felt safe to me all of a sudden. Didn't feel like this God I was trying to get away from, trying to hide my shame from. And then one day on my way to church, I called my daughter from the car. 
just kind of happenstance, happy-go-lucky. I'm on my way to church. God is good. Life is good. I didn't still have Jesus in my heart at that point in time. And it blew up into a huge fight. That took me a bit off guard. I was just slightly rattled that day. So I get to church. Where's my friends? Where's the normal preacher? I'm a mess. There was a guest preacher from Teen Challenge there that day. And anyone who's gone to an Assembly of God church knows there's always an altar call at the end. But on this day, the pastor stops in the middle of church. He turns towards me and he says, there is someone in this room that sees God as though he's out there and you're trying to figure out how to get him in here. I'm like, whoa, this guy's reading my mail. Because that is actually the conversation I had just had with God that morning. So I said to myself, well, I said to God inside my head, God, if you're talking to me, I'm going to need a little more evidence. So the pastor turns to my direction and says, it doesn't matter that you're a manager. You still need to do this. Holy cow. He's definitely talking to me. I had been a manager at the time. What are you asking me to do, God? And the pastor says, you can do this in your seat. Or, I'm thinking, yeah, I'll sit in my seat, whatever he's asking me to do. Or you can come to the front of the church because it'd be a sign of humility. I was the only one to walk at the front of the church in that moment, at that time. All I remember is the pastor laying hands on my head, praying over me. People were surrounding me. They were praying over me. And he said, God must have a really special plan for you to call you to the front of the church. And I accepted Jesus in that moment, on that day. So, <laughs> thank you, Lord. Um, but, you know, as it is, you know, we have an enemy that wages war against us, and he started getting into my head again and telling me it wasn't real, telling me that it was a setup, so I started to doubt. But I went back to church the next weekend, and I said, Lord, please don't make me go to the front of the church today. And... So on that day, again, the Assembly of God always had the altar call every day, but the pastor that day, the regular pastor, said, uh-oh. I'm like, what's he going to do? You are dismissed. And I walked out of the church that day, and I said, Lord, I only meant me. Not everyone couldn't go to the front of the church. And uh, my life was forever changed. Um, six years later, I was working for Food for the Hungry, a nonprofit Christian organization serving the poor around the world. Fourteen years later, I met this wonderful man and got married. And then 16 later, years later, I'm here with you. We're here with you. And it is just such a gift. So from train wreck to set and sail with Jesus, that's a beautiful thing. And we're so glad to be here. One more thing before I end. I wanted to share with you this life verse that God gave me about six years into my journey. He told me, Heidi, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Jesus is good news. And if he can love me, he can love you. Thank you, Hope Covenant.
I really love that story. <laughs> well, we have lots of stories we could tell. We even have some more on video that we're going to save for later. But, but I know that we would be um, missing out if this morning we didn't end this message with an opportunity to invite anyone here who has not made that decision to follow Jesus to make that decision today. And you might be here and you might have come a bunch of times before or maybe this is your first time here. And we don't pressure anybody to do stuff here, but we simply invite you. So if God is prompting you, if he's kind of tugging at your heart, um, maybe you wouldn't even have words for what you're experiencing or feeling, but um, that's something that's worth paying attention to. It's really important to pay attention to. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you're kind of sensing even in your life and heart what's going on right now. See, lives do change because of Jesus, and maybe today is, is your day. Maybe today's your day to make that decision. And for some of you, maybe God's calling you to make that commitment to him even right now. And I want to give you a chance to do that. Um, and don't worry, we're not going to call you to the front of the church. Uh, you can put your guard down there. But I just want us all to uh, just close our eyes, bow our heads, um, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, but you're ready to do that now, I'm going to ask you to say these words just quietly in your heart or out loud. Just say these words to God as, as a way to pray. There's nothing magic about the prayer. It's just a moment for you to say, I decided today to follow Jesus. In fact, you know what, friends of hope, um, can I ask you guys to, let's all pray this out loud, even if you've been a believer for a long time, let's pray this out loud as a way of supporting our, our friends and people that might be wrestling with this decision. So if you'll pray this out loud together, um, yeah, let's do that. So, Jesus, thank you for guiding the steps of my journey here today. I see now that you are my only hope, so I choose you. I see now that you are my only hope, so I choose you. I can't make it on my own, so I choose you. I turn from sin and I choose you. I turn from sin and I choose you. I choose now to trust Jesus as my only hope. Thank you for your love, God. Amen. Let's keep our eyes closed and heads bowed for a moment. In a moment, we're going to move into communion. But, but before we move into our communion time with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to congratulate you if you prayed that prayer because um, you just made a decision that can change your life. You'll never make a decision that important again. So just between um, just Heidi and I here looking around, everybody else with your eyes closed, if, if you pray that prayer, would you just wave at us? Again, we're not going to call you to the front, just so we know who to pray for and how to pray. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, would you wave at us? Amen. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Anybody over on this side here on my left, your right? Amen. Yeah. Bless you. Bless you. Anybody in the middle? Anybody else in the middle? Anybody on the far side, your left, my right? Oh, bless you.
bless you. Bless all of you that are here and seeking and looking for Jesus. Um, because he is looking for you. 